0: Consistent self-improvement, everybody. You are now listening to American Gypsy Podcast. I am your host, Classic, and I'm here with my co-host.
1: Gypsy, and today we have Danielle Thompson. She is a designer and entrepreneur who spent the last 10 years traveling and starting businesses and is now running Design Match. Welcome to the show, Danielle. Welcome. Thank you so much. I've been really looking forward to this.
2: Likewise.
0: (laughs) Likewise, the same (laughs) here. So to get started tell us a little bit about yourself st- about yourself like where you're from and where you are now
2: yeah so i'm from canada uh, born and raised and um right now today i'm in bali indonesia so quite a long way wow. from home yeah <laughs> so it's been a journey to get here so um I am a designer by trade and also a financial advisor by trade. So I studied those two things, which usually don't go hand in hand, but they opened up a lot of doors for me to actually start traveling, um, to start working online. And I traveled to so many different countries through Central America, through Europe, and ended up here in Bali today. So there's a lot to go into in between there, but um, but yeah, that's a little bit about me and kind of where I am now.
0: Okay. Well, we- definitely touch on a lot of those things you know so
1: definitely it's yeah, been did, it's been a while how did you get to bali yeah. <laughs> yeah. out of everywhere yeah so
2: i remember um, i was in canada and i was um, i just finished what, my what studies out of canada from Toronto, but I was living in Montreal at the time. So if you haven't been to Montreal, it's the most amazing city. I think it's so underrated. It's so cool, arts, culture, music, like it's amazing there. Um, And I loved my life there. I think a lot of people, sometimes when you hear a travel story, it's like escaping from something or leaving the corporate job. But like, I had a great life, amazing friends, I, I really loved everything about it, but I thought that you know I, I, I was meant to do something a little bit bigger than what I was doing. And to grow bigger, sometimes you need to get uncomfortable. And I was really comfortable in Montreal. And so one day I got a text I remember from my friend and he's like, are you coming out to this club tonight or something like that and I was like and I remember looking at this text and it was this something switched in my brain and it felt like groundhog day I was like kind of looking through the history and I realized every Friday I got that text you know every every week was the same and even though I loved my friends I was like I think I needed to be in a new community or in in people who were just different so that I could grow you know and so I left Canada with $1,400 in my bank account and not no like a one way ticket to Costa Rica. And I was scared because I had never left, you know, the Americas like and I was like, didn't know how you get from place to place. I spoke no Spanish. I remember just freaking out on the plane. It's my first time away from my family, you know, by myself, um, like in another country. And when I got there, I realized like, you know, most people are really nice, you know, and they want to help you. And through that trip, I met a group um, of people called Wi-Fi Tribe. They are a nomad traveling group and they were in Nicaragua, just across the border. And I saw a Facebook ad to join them. I was like, okay, I'm alone here in Costa Rica. Maybe I can make some friends by joining this group. And I crossed the border to Nicaragua and um. I remember it. I picked the most expensive tour bus to go because I was like, I don't know how to cross a border or anything like that. It was so funny. It ended up being like a senior's tour bus. And I was like, you're gross. And some taxi picked me up from like halfway through the tour. And I went to this house and it was the most beautiful house I ever saw. And looking over the ocean. And those people were the first like digital nomads I met. And I spent like about a month with them. And then the next place they were going to was Bali. And so I went on my own private uh, travels right in between. And then I met up with them in Bali. And that's the first time I ever came to Bali. The first time I ever really heard of Bali past like eat, pray, love, you know? (laughs) Um, And and so that's how I ended up on this side of the world was one decision in Montreal um, brought me all the way over here.
0: Wow. What was the time span in between all of this?
2: Yeah. So I'm compressing a lot of information, but I left Canada maybe about six years ago, seven years ago eight years ago I'm not even sure anymore these days <laughs> and um and between the time i spent like four months in Central America and then I went to Europe for two months and then I ended up in Bali but since that first time in Bali I have been back and forth um between here and many other places okay
0: so
1: yeah. I've heard about Bali more recently it has been getting a lot of exposure How, what is it like living in Bali and what um What parts are you in and what's your experience there?
2: Yeah, so I think it's surprising to most people. I tell them, like, I have an H&M closer to me here in Bali than I did in Canada. And they're like, wait, what? Like, I don't (laughs) understand how this is. And so I think it's like, I think why Bali attracts so many amazing people because you have a lot of comforts of the West, you know, like I do love my creature comforts. You know, I I do like that I can go to the mall and get a few things or like we don't have Amazon, but we have something similar here. And but you also get that beautiful Balinese culture, which is like Bali is a really special place because Um, Indonesia is a Muslim island or Muslim country, but Bali is a Hindu island. So it's this really special kind of space um, within this country. And also the type of Hinduism they practice here is completely different. And so there's this like beautiful spiritual energy here and with the offerings every day and the Balinese people kind of sharing their culture. And then you also have on the other side, the expats who are sometimes really techie and here building all these online businesses, you have the crypto people, you have the coaches, the wellness you have so many amazing people coming together on this island that's like founded on this beautiful energy and I think it creates this this uh, this space where I, I don't know it, it just feels inspiring to create from and um in terms of daily life you can like we just came back from an organic grocery store around the corner that has like a beautiful cafe and I had a, a tea and um and I live in this area called Chenggu which is like the very popular for long-term expats so there's really everything here so yeah
1: nice how's the internet there
2: it's good I'm i I'm on I have 5g. So that's pretty good. I'm actually, yeah, I have 5G, so all all is good with that. But um, there are areas, obviously, that are less connected probably, I'd imagine, but um, this area specifically is really connected. Um, I'm always trying to get people to come from Canada to just see, you know, because I think it's hard to imagine. Um, Yeah, have you guys ever wanted to come to Asia or have you been to Asia or Bali?
1: Um, Well,
0: I, I haven't been. We've definitely loved traveling, so. Yeah, and it's, and it's definitely right now something that you know we're that's
1: in our radar. Like we've yeah. been looking around, um, just thinking about a place we want to you know go to and kind of stay an uh, extended period of time or multiple places and check it out.
0: Yeah, we got married in Greece, and we've been to South uh, South Africa together, and been she's to been a, a few bunch of other and, places. Um, yeah. yeah, so we love, like I said, we love traveling. Yeah, yeah. but. but Bali is a place that yeah, yeah she's spoken up and probably researched a lot more than I have.
2: Amazing! I've also always wanted to go to South Africa. Like it's been like one of the top of my list. I, I bet it's absolutely amazing there.
0: Yeah, yeah it's, it's awesome. very beautiful. And the yeah, bushes are dense.
1: We were mostly in Durban. Yeah. We stepped out for a little bit. I don't remember what what area that was.
2: But it's
0: that first taste of, you know, nature, nature or close to it. Not quite like, I guess we brought it up yesterday in conversation, not quite like Kenya, but, you know, just to see some wild monkeys and, you know, things like that. yeah.
2: And that's such a good point around nature and kind of how that feels. And I think that's also something so special about Bali is that you have the infrastructure, but all within nature. You know, or like um, this weekend we went up to the north of Bali for our birthdays, was, uh, my birthday and my husband's birthday. Actually, last week we have uh, a lines late of twenty, time. yeah. And so we're right beside each other on birthdays, and we went rafting, um, like whitewater rafting. And I had never done this before. I was so scared at the start. I was like, I'm gonna fall out of this boat, and like what am I doing you know um but you're looking around and you're seeing the jungle and it's like the rapids weren't too intense thankfully that day and you but you're just looking around and 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 there's this feeling like uh, I don't know like that I'm 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 connecting to something I don't know what it is but it's like I'm supposed to be here I'm supposed to access these type of environments you know I'm not supposed to just be behind my screen or you know tuning out with my earpods all the time i'm supposed to be interacting with nature and i think bali especially in asia in general with the motorbike culture and the ease to get everywhere it gives you this opportunity to interact with nature um, so excessively whereas in canada i have to drive like hours to get into like a, a like a real nature place you know like and it's in my car for so long and the price of gas you know, no know where i'm going you know? so it's like it's like it's really nice like here that's so accessible and so easy um to just access these beautiful spaces yeah
1: so what kind of design work do you do Yeah, so
2: my work is I work with um, usually startups or enterprises who want to create something new, and I help them design apps or websites. So, for example, recently I was working with St. Jude Hospital. And we were making the world's largest open source pediatric uh, cancer database, so it was like for um, clinicians or students who are studying cancer research to be able to get all the data that St Jude has on all their patients and everything uh, completely anonymous, of course, and be able to run the uh, analysis in the cloud so we can come to cancer research results faster so there's apps like that and then there's apps that are like trading apps or crypto apps or nft apps so it's kind of building these tools but i work with people who generally just have a vision and they want to bring that vision to the world but they're not exactly sure how it's going to work so i I work with early stage startups and then at design match we match founders with designers who will help them at that same stage when they're in ideation and they want to create something real Nice.
1: Okay. So you do mostly web design or do you do other types of design as
2: well? I think it would be considered like product design. So apps more like web apps or 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 mobile apps, um uh more than websites itself. But there are sometimes is a website to promote the app or to promote the, the web app. So yeah, that's the type of design I'm doing.
1: Um
0: she's a techie. <laughs>
1: Are you a techie? Yeah, I'm actually what? a web developer. So that's why I was asking. Because sometimes, you know, like all kinds of designers, there's, you know, industrial design and all kinds of things. So that's why I was asking. Um, oh, that's so cool. The so
2: development
1: when, uh, side. Sorry? Uh, so the design match, is it matching, um, is it for... Uh, how does that work exactly? <laughs>
2: yeah, now you're like, I don't know what you're matching. So essentially a founder comes to us and says what they're building and what they need help with. So a lot of times they're building, a, let's say a crypto um, platform that tells you all the stats about a certain coin. And they have an idea for it, but they need someone to actually design uh, the experience, design, what it looks like, what it feels like, the brand, all of those things. So we listen to the founder and hear what their needs are. So we look and try to classify them. Are they a first-time founder or have they ever worked with designers before? You know, do they have a, what's their budget like? And we try and find them what we call their perfect match based on what they need. So design match is a mix of a bit of consulting where we're guiding the founder through what they need and and providing the resources as well as a matching service. So we'll then present them with a designer that we think is a perfect match on both sides. So our goal is to empower founders through empowering designers, right? So we wanna make sure the designers are super stoked about what they're working on and that they're passionate. And then we match them together and then they have a little chat and hopefully it's a perfect match and then they can start working together. So it, it's, it's kind of like a no risk, um, really like personalized experience for the founders and also for the designers. Okay.
1: Um, one of the things I read on your profile is like you started a business when you were 17, which is super young. Uh, so can you tell us a little bit about that experience? Of course. Yeah. So
2: since I was like I don't know how old I've been trying to start businesses so in my I was selling my parents back their stuff in their house I had a little toy cash register and I would you know set up a store in our basement and then I'd call my parents down and say hey do you want to shop and it would be all their things that, that I took from their room so, so I think I was a hustler from birth you know I came out of the womb like was like what can I sell or something but um but I, I just love creating businesses. Like I love creating opportunities for people to work. I love creating opportunities to transact and I love solving problems. And I think business is, is became more of a hobby than anything for me. You know, it's a hobby that turned into a career and I was always looking for ways I can solve problems and also make that financially viable for myself or the people I was solving the problem for. And when I was 17, I was in school and I had already started working online by then. And uh, I was doing little gigs online, making designing in Photoshop, like people's resume. I remember my first gig was to uh, design. No, it was to edit this guy's online dating profile pictures, like make him more tan and like make his eyes bigger. So total catfish, but that was my first job online. So, but I was making pretty decent money like for the photos, like $25 photo was pretty good for, you know, a kid. And um, I remember going to school and I was studying design. I was taking design classes. And a lot of my schoolmates were way better than me at design. Um, they were they were reading all the literature. They were watching all these videos, and they had a way more technical understanding of design, and they were able to execute better because of that. For me, it was I came from an art background. I was like I paint, and so design was just this intuitive uh, expression of what I did. And without the frameworks, I wasn't the best, you know, at actually executing always. But I was making more money than all my classmates. You know, I was still working online, and I was making money in my field. And most of my classmates who were making making money at the time, had part-time jobs that didn't align with things that they were passionate about. You know, they're working at pet stores or, you know, at the supermarket or something like that. And they didn't love their job. And their job was only a means to an end until they can get to the point where they can work in their field. And so I thought, oh, well, you know, I'm able to get these jobs. I suck as a designer. So you guys are going to be fine, you know? So I created this website called Intern. And um, it was basically to provide kind of, I called it intern, like paid internships, So, so people who had these design skills could be, again, matched with a startup or with a young company or with an enterprise who needed design talent, and students could start working in design, you know, super early. But at 17, I had no idea how to run a business at all. You know, I had, a, I had a lot of great ideas, but again, was missing those frameworks. So I created like landing pages and I was like, I have a business, you know, I made a deck and I was like, I have a business. This is great. And I mean, I did get some investment um, and yeah, I got some seed or angel funding. And, uh, but after that, I realized, like, I wasn't fit to run a business at this age. And I was so stressed about it. It was so hard. I was making all these mistakes. But I learned a lot for the process. But I said, you know, I this is something passionate, I'm passionate about getting people jobs, but I'm going to come back to it in another way soon. But let me just focus on my degree. Let me get my own skills up. Let me keep learning so that I could serve a little bit better in the future. That's Hmm. at
1: least good that you tried. Um, Because I'm just thinking back, like, at 17, 18, like I, I knew Photoshop and different, I knew so much like flash Photoshop and different things, but just didn't sound as more of a hobby. And now thinking back, like I could have actually done something with it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's and just to get even the entrepreneurial experience um, early on, which probably, you know, made you better prepared for what you do now.
2: Exactly, and I think that's a matter of exposure. And that's also why I love like talking on podcasts or sharing my story, because I think it's the thing that we just don't always think about these things. Like, like, you know, even with things like travel, it was only until I met people who had traveled that I think it was possible. And so you need to hear stories. You need to be exposed to the opportunity and the possibility of things happening to start considering it. So, and I'm sure even at this moment right now, today, there's skills that I have, or there's things that I can... Um, possibly access that I have no idea of. And that's why constantly learning and and listening to different stories and voices will just expand our our sense of being. And I was really lucky to have my dad. He's an entrepreneur. And so he was always kind of encouraging me to, to think about business, to think about how money works, to think about how the economy works in general. I didn't have a deep understanding of it, you know. But at least those those little seeds were planted, and I you can see with my first business there was a big knowledge gap. But I was walking in the direction that that I thought was interesting. I was walking in the direction that you know my dad laid a little bit of a path for, um, but I just didn't know how to complete the path.
0: Yeah, you've mentioned a couple of times cryptocurrency, and we're always looking for a great cryptocurrency uh, conversation. (laughs) Are you into crypto?
2: Uh, Passively. I'm not a huge crypto person, but I used to. It's so funny because I was into crypto just by hobby when I was in university, I learned about like the deep web and I learned about all these things from, I think I was watching like, I don't know, Scandal or something like that. And they like had an episode where it's like, ah, oh, we're on the deep web. I was like, what is this? You know? And then I found these marketplaces and then you need Bitcoin to do these marketplaces. So I was like, what is Bitcoin? And I remember being in my university library trying to figure out how to buy Bitcoin, you know? And Canada was one of the first countries that allowed you to buy cryptocurrency on your debit card. And I didn't have much money at the time, but I remember the cost of Bitcoin or the price of Bitcoin at that time, I remember so clearly, it was 167 Canadian dollars, which is about 140 USD right now. Mm-hmm. And I remember I, I bought some at that time. And, but I just was so young and I was so early in my career that I ended up selling a lot of it, not all of it, but quite early because I was like, oh my gosh, I could make $800 off this $25 I put in. This is great. And so, and so, um, Throughout the years, I've been always passively investing in crypto, but really with Design Match, really wanting to embed cryptocurrency into there in a meaningful way. So we already accept crypto payments, so really enabling crypto founders to stay within their ecosystem, and we want to create a tokenized experience for our designers so that they can use the tokens to buy experiences within the the platform and to also vote on things within the platform. So I'm really. Excited about crypto as a, as a means for for um, create for adding levels of gamification, right? Creating new accessibility opportunities. Um, that's what I'm excited for in terms of crypto.
0: Is it pretty? It's pretty big out there. You said there was like a crypto department or crypto community.
2: Yeah, there's a big community here, and I think in Indonesia, there's like I think crypto is quite big because of maybe the regulations. I don't know, but two minutes from my house it's a place called Toko Crypto and Toko in Indonesian means store. So it's like crypto store. It's this big crypto store, like around the corner from my house where it's like, they have like, it's like a clubhouse. They have a pool, they have like all this stuff. And I don't know what people do there, honestly, wow. just, like talk about crypto maybe, but it's, it, it's down the street from my house.
0: That sounds interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's probably somewhere here in LA. that's, that's probably something like that. I know I've thought about something like that, at least wanted to have a couple of events around podcast conversations. You know, we'll get to it eventually.
2: Definitely. I think I think it's something you can't really ignore. There's so much. I I think the one thing, though, about all these emerging technologies, whether it's on the blockchain or with the metaverse and these kind of things, I think the way that it will impact our daily life will will be subtle in the same way that the, like, went from floppy disk to, you know, completely uh, digital, you know, drives, right? It's like, it's not this, (laughs) it's not this one big change one day where you're like, oh my gosh, I have to burn all my floppy disk now. It's totally unusable, but it's this gradual change. And I think it's happening already, but sometimes we don't even see it because it's so subtle.
0: Yeah. So you said you guys are accepting payment in Bitcoin or in, in, crypto already. Is Bitcoin one of the payments, the main crypto or...
2: Yeah, so everyone pays differently. So we have um, one person, you know, paying in Cardano, which we love Cardano so much, that coin, Bitcoin, Ethereum, USDT, like some of the more stable coins are easier for us to deal with, but we try and be flexible. We can't accept all currencies, of course, but definitely um, just wanting to allow these founders to stay within their ecosystem instead of having to exchange it for US dollars. And then then after... Uh, Uh, paying us and so we try and make it as easy for them to just to reduce any kind of tension for them to actually create web3 products yeah and the designers if they want they can choose to be paid in that same currency that the that the client is paying so it's a nice way like we had some designers who wanted to get into crypto but you know didn't it was really freaky for them to just like buy it with their own money but it's like oh I just earned this let me just get pay that invoice in crypto and that's a nice way for them to build their portfolio without having to you know go into one of the apps and and decide like what to buy and all this stuff so it's it's been a nice entry point for some designers as well
1: are you are people using that like is it a popular method
2: uh, it just so we just started accepting crypto two weeks ago. So, oh, it's okay. really yeah. Yeah. yeah, but we do have some designers who are already um, deciding to pay some invoices on crypto. So, they'll be like, I want to pay three invoices crypto, and then after that, go back to normal. And we're like, okay, cool, sounds good. So,
1: we try and be again as flexible as possible with them. Uh, so, I'm gonna pivot a little bit because uh, yeah. I think you're one of the only people I've encountered that has tried ibogaine and a lot of people <laughs> don't even know what that is uh, so how did you even ayahuasca uh, so how did you encounter that and like what was your experience of course so
2: um for those who don't know what a boga is so Ibogaine and aboga. Ibogaine is an extract from the aboga plant. And aboga is a a, a bark, a bark, I think, um, traditionally from Gabon. So that's in West Africa, I believe. And um, the plant is known for its ability to help people uh, come off of opioids, I believe, but also they found that it's really great to help people kind of find a bit more direction in their lives. So if you've heard of ayahuasca or similar plants, it would be in that same category as plant medicine what's really special about a boga compared to something that you might have heard of more popular ayahuasca is ayahuasca I feel like is the mother plant so ayahuasca when you go into her world she's like hello welcome home you're so beautiful like you're you're, you know you know it's like um, your mom kind of giving you that hug after you haven't been home for so long and a boga is the stern father so you come home and he is like what the heck have you been doing with your life? You need to get your shit together now, you know? And so it's completely different energy. A boga is more, is, is a plant that jokes a lot. It's a plant that, you know, is very direct. So I think the world of ayahuasca, you need to translate. You see images and pictures and you need to translate that and create meaning for that in your own life. But a boga will tell you words. And it's kind of like the best version of you talking to you and giving you advice, you know? And um, how I heard about it actually was, I think, through a friend just mentioned it one day in Montreal and I had Googled it and I was like, this is one of the most interesting things I I have ever seen. You know, I had heard about ayahuasca, but this just seemed so different and I didn't know why or what was more appealing about it, but I was always curious, Uh, but I never found an opportunity to do it until one day. Uh, I had been talking about it just, again, passively. And my friend goes, oh, an aboga shaman is coming to the island, you know, to Bali. I was like, oh, interesting. And, and at that moment, you know, after all my years of research and stuff, I get scared. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know if I'm ready to face this plant, you know? Like, it, it, it seemed like a good idea on YouTube, and I'm so happy for all these people. But I don't know if this is a me thing. And I remember... um I went to Vietnam for a couple of weeks. At that point, I was living in Bali. My house was here, my lease was here, but I just went to Vietnam to visit one of my employees, meet his family, and just to experience new culture. And um, my roommate calls and says, Hey, you know, the a boga is coming, you know. It's like, oh, shoot. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready for that. And I come home and my friend here has this float tank center. So it's like you 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 float in a, in a tank and it's like, it's sensory deprivation, all that stuff. So I'm like, oh, I feel like having a float today. I book the float. I go there. And um, my friend says, oh, Aboga's here. Another friend, Aboga's here, by the way, the shaman. I think he's going to come here today. I was like, cool, 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 cool. Go to my float, forget all about it. And I come out sitting in the recovery center after the float with the tea and the shaman walks in. And I was like, I've been trying to avoid you. And he's like, I know you've already been called. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> it, it found me, it found me. Like I did not seek this out, you know, it really found me. And um, the experience with a boga is something so special. Uh, I, I've done it twice. The first time was in Bali and the second time was in Canada with my mom actually. So, <laughs> and my mom is, not into that kind of stuff you know she just saw a lot of my transformation so she's like you know maybe this could help and the first time uh the experience was was i think like defragging my brain so it's kind of like going through all these old files and cleaning things up it felt like you know i went through my whole life and my grandpa came in and said call me more and like i went through and learned all the places i could i could um improve and I was really curious about boga because of the the science behind it so there's a lot of um, images if you google uh, uh, brain scans before boga and after boga. and aboga has the ability to increase our neuroplasticity and also it has the ability to repair parts of the brain so if you look at brain scans before and after you can see some people's brains actually being repaired you know the holes or trauma that's been done to the brain actually being fixed and healed and corrected with this plant which is really incredible um, and as a person who's had adhd and attention things i thought okay this could be interesting from a scientific perspective and then spiritually it was incredible, like the connection with the plants and also the connection with Gabon and the spirits and 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 there, there was just so much there. And afterwards from each ceremony, you learn something different. But the last one in Canada, at the end of it, it just kind of felt like I closed the chapter, you know, that I that I I I arrived to where I need to be. And, and this feeling of peace kind of came over me. And it's not that I feel peaceful every single day, you know, I'm human, but the the underlying feeling, the, the, the baseline of my life is like, is so much more peaceful. Like one day I realized I don't have anxiety anymore. I don't like, I don't feel anxious. That is not a feeling that's common to me anymore. That feels odd to feel anxious, like what is that? And if you asked me two years before, I would say, I, yeah, I'm anxious today. You know, like, oh, I feel this makes me feel anxious. You know, that was in my vocabulary. And so it really transformed, I think so so many things in my brain and how I interact in the world today.
1: Yeah, I came across it. I've seen documentaries a few years ago and they're using it a lot of places to treat uh, addiction and I know in Gabon it's like a rite of passage uh, in certain places.
2: Exactly Um, and I just want to say also like I think a lot of people can be
1: scared of these things because I am. (laughs) (laughs) I respect it and what it does but it's like wow uh, sounds scary.
0: experiences
1: yeah.
2: And I and I so like I hear you because it is it can be scary like you're gonna am I gonna lose my mind you know am I gonna be out of myself like h- how does it feel like well I feel like I'm dying Will I feel sick physically like everyone has these kind of questions that I that I've heard and so when my mom said that she was like down to do this I was like wait what mom like you you sure should we watch another youtube video just to make sure like i I don't want to be the person like bring my mom into some stuff she's like not into you know and she's like no no i feel ready how was was my
0: experience
2: so her experience and i think her story is even more powerful than mine because me wow. i'm a person who you know lives in Bali and has like all i i have a lot of exposure to spirituality all, all the time I've done all of these woo-hoo things you know but my mom she works at the university she's you know she's like the everyday person and she's about to get this eat this plant that's going to take her to the moon, you know? So what's going on here? So, so, so her experience, so first of all, I want to say that the shamans were amazing and they the group was around my mom's age mainly ladies, actually, uh, from Montreal, from Quebec, from Ontario. So that made my mom feel very safe. You know, it wasn't all these, like, young people, you know, who are just like. Um, so that was really nice. And they were really great at dosing. So the, the big thing is that you can choose your experience. You don't have to have so much. And it's not about the quantity that you have that makes experience more profound or less. Like, you, you only need what you need. And that's really important. So the first ceremony my mom has, she said, you know, she didn't see anything, she just felt like things were clearing out of her physically and she felt very relaxed, you know? And that was her first experience. And it wasn't anything crazy. It was only a few hours and we were lying down, she had a pillow, she was comfortable and it wasn't scary at all. And then she said the second experience, she got to start to see things and she saw things from her childhood. She saw herself talking to herself, telling her, you know, where, You know, she had limitations in giving love and it was kind of like, I always say it's like like 10 years of therapy in in one night, you know, and you just get a lot of good information. And so she started exploring that. And then after that, she went a bit deeper and then she started seeing herself in a different way. And so I talked to her, maybe it was last week. So this experience happened, let's say five months ago. And I talked to her last week and she said, you know, that aboga thing changed my life. She said, I look at these situations where I used to feel nervous about maybe work, maybe a colleague or something. And she's like, it doesn't bother me anymore. And I see the relationship with her and my dad, even improving, you know, they were already amazing but I see them more calm and more peaceful. I see her finding joy in simple things. And she seems so content with her life and she's not looking so much for other things outside of herself to be happy. I see her less stressed and I think sometimes when we think about spirituality and medicine and healing we think that the result is being superhuman you know i'm this zen buddha or i'm this you know person who's not faced by anything but i think it's the plants show you how to be human the plants show you that exactly who you are right now is enough and it's okay and it's our discomfort with our own humanity that causes us so much anxiety yeah. and so through the medicine you you learn how to be okay with who you are. And I think that is enlightenment for me. That is peace. That is is arriving. It's it's being okay with everything that comes with being human. That's amazing.
1: Yeah. Thank you for like describing it and raising awareness about the plant and all of that. That's
0: yeah, because I was familiar with ayahuasca, but not too much with uh a boga.
1: Yeah, even saying the differences, um, I don't think I've ever heard the the differences so how did you end up trying ayahuasca is it around the same times or is it um, different times ayahuasca was
2: quite a few years before so I've done maybe like 10 ayahuasca ceremonies or something like that in the last few years yeah it's um and the first time like again really to I tell this story just to show people that like I'm the same, you know, as everyone else who, who even thinks about doing this. I was in Argentina at the time and I was thinking, okay, I saw this on YouTube, I watched a documentary, it seems cool, I think it could help me because I was riddled with anxiety. Like, you know, like when I remember um, when I would have a call with a client or something like that, like I would just feel this thing in my heart drop, you know, or if I thought I did something wrong, I'd feel this dropping my heart, my hands would tingle and I was just so nervous all the time. And, um, but it was, I thought it was normal. But then one day I was like, you know, maybe there's something that could help, maybe I could, you know. Uh, I could, I could do something about this. And just to give you context at the time, I was still running businesses. I was a nomad traveling world. I think I was more of an Instagram influencer at the time. So like I had a lot of things going for me, but deep down, I was still feeling a bit uncomfortable in my own skin, which I feel like we've all felt at some point to different degrees. And so I was like, okay, let's do ayahuasca. I had wanted to do it in Montreal, but it never worked out the dates. Or maybe I didn't have money at the time because I was younger or something like that. And, um, So I was like, let's do it in Peru because that's where, you know, people do ayahuasca. So I Googled all the places and my one fear, I had the the one fear. No, I wasn't fear of like the plan. I wasn't afraid of like that, like uh, getting sick, but I was afraid of spiders. I was like so sure that like there was, I was going to go to Amazon and I was going to be on this this plant and there was going to be a spider like the size of my hand crawling around and I was going to freak out like this is my only fear (laughs) that that there's going to be like a bunch of bugs you know Um, and uh, it's just why I say that is because like we all have these like specific or sometimes irrational things that like don't like or there's some rationality to it because the Amazon spiders you know but like that's okay that's okay I think sometimes we feel like silly about it it's like um what if I don't speak the language will I be okay and we're kind of scared to like admit that that's a fear of ours but like I was scared of spiders like so whatever you're scared of whether it's the plant itself seeing stuff or or a spider or being in a Spanish-speaking country all of it's valid and but I said okay you know what I'm going to do I'm going to go to a place that makes me feel really comfortable so I went to this place called Etnicas and Etnicas is special because it has Western medicine with ayahuasca. So they have a doctor on site. They have a nurse. It's in the Valley. No spiders, not in the Amazon. Um- <laughs> Like, I felt really safe there, especially for my first time. The second time I went into the Amazon, I'm like, we're going to do this hardcore. For the first time, I wanted my Western comfort, I wanted the things that felt familiar. I wanted to feel safe. I was scared also of the plan. And like, what if I died? I don't know. You know, like, I didn't know what could happen in a foreign country. So I went to the place that made me feel the most safe and secure. And I think sometimes when we think about accessing these things, we think, okay, I got to do it the most authentic way. It is authentic. The plant is still the plant. They're like whatever makes you feel the most comfortable is totally valid. And um, and I was happy I went there. So happy I went there. It's in the called the Sacred Valley. So it's like all the mountains around. Uh, they had a little dog that I loved. You got a massage when you were there, they had yoga classes, like it was perfect. And um, that plant I I I I drank it, and the first time. It, I was like, "What happened?" Like it felt like just all these images flashing. This I went through like my life. I was like, "I don't know what that was." But the second time going into it, I had a bit more control because I knew how it would feel, and um, and I was able to actually, you know, go with the plant and 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 actually discover and open some doors. That that whole set of ceremonies was kind of about you know clearing out the past you know past traumas what had happened to me before and I got to relive all of my traumas through my lens today so I went back to that moment and I stood there as who I am today and saw whatever happened to me at whatever age and I was able to say oh whoa no one meant to hurt you in that situation no one meant to do bad Um, and I got to kind of heal forgive uh, whoever was involved and and move past it And, um, yeah, it
1: was a really beautiful experience. I'm
0: inspired.
1: I know, right? (laughs) That seems like years of therapy, like you said, and like a a compact experience. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Yeah.
0: So I guess to kind of touch back on some of the places that you've been and even just where you are right now, like, where do you see how do you how long do you see yourself in like bali or do you see yourself ex- expanding somewhere else
2: so my husband and I actually want to have a baby soon. So that's kind of a newest thing on our agenda, which is really exciting, especially as someone who's had a life that's been so nomadic and moving around, kind of wanting to do something that requires a bit more stability. Um, and so it's a new chapter. And so we plan to be in Bali for some time. I think the one thing about being an expat and a nomad is that you are far from your family, you are far from, you know, what's culturally home for you and my husband's from Uruguay so he's a Spanish speaker uh, from Canada and so there's there's a lot of sacrifices that need to be made also to live abroad and I think that's something that's not talked about that much it's like oh the beaches are nice good weather cheap food but it's like you also make sacrifices as well to to, to be away from your culture and away from your family so But that being said, we still decided that it was the best option to stay here for quite a few years. We might move a little bit closer, like to Costa Rica or something like that, closer to family in the next like three years. But we really feel happy here. Um, I think we did enough traveling for the last five years, both of us together and individually, that we feel content being here. And Bali has the best combination of things for us from our little bougie organic food places to, you know, uh, our what's called uh, Tokopedia, which is like the Amazon up here with, but also great community yoga, spirituality and nature. So we plan to stay stay here for for some time.
1: Okay. Bali is beautiful. Have you done traveling while since, you know, you've been living there? Yeah,
2: so we actually just got back here. I got married in November, so like a few months ago. And um, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, in Canada. And before that, we were in Costa Rica. Before that, Guatemala. Uh, My husband was in Uruguay for a bit. I was in Canada, Portugal, Turkey, uh, Switzerland. And that's all within the last eight months. Um, so, so, So we definitely... Uh, we're traveling a lot and before that we were in Bali for six months but coming back this time is when why we, we decided to kind of ground ourselves here but it's a new it's a new feeling it's not like we've been here for like years and we're like just gonna chill it's, and we still have trips planned like little trips baby trips so we want to go to Europe and do a little camper van trip for a week or two in something maybe in France or Spain or something so still have some diversity in our location, but have a bit more of a home base. So we're not like carrying our life with us. I bought like a monitor. I'm like set here. Like I'm, it's real. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you mentioned food. So what is the food like there? And who's had the best food according to some of the places you've traveled?
2: yeah food is like it's one of my favorite things about traveling i don't know if you guys can relate to that
0: (laughs) all about right
2: it's like everywhere you get to i don't know the spices everything they're using so different from in canada what you can get um so i love the food in argentina i i do eat meat and i love how they make meat like they call asado the uh, argentine barbecues so good oh my gosh like even thinking about it i'm like hungry now you know so (laughs) (laughs) i absolutely love it there somewhere that i didn't realize i would love the food but like it's so good was turkey Mm. turkey Oh my gosh, Turkish food. I, I never thought about it. I just like, it wasn't on my radar at all. I was like, wasn't like, yeah, I'm excited to go to Turkey for food, but, um, you got the kebab, you got the, the, like the, the lamb, you have everything in it. It is so delicious. Even how they make rice. It's like the craziest, like the rice ever. It's, it's one of my favorite foods. Um, here in Bali, the food is pretty diverse because they have, uh, influence from a lot of different places. So... I think Bali has about ten thousand islands altogether. Wow. So, yeah, and then you have all the way, I guess, east. I think it's east. I don't. I don't want to say the wrong direction, but you have like kind of more like. Um, you have influences from each side of the world pretty much right so and Balinese or Indonesian people look so different so closer to the let's call it Papua which is a place you have black people there you know who look just like me a lot of people think I'm Indonesian actually when they come and they yeah, see me. Yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> exactly and then you got people who are super duper light on the other side and so it's really cool and that mix of cultures is in the food as well so um it there's it's spicy that's one thing it's spicy you have to ask no spicy because your mouth will burn off honestly and um but lots of curries lots of um saucy things like depending where you are like here beef isn't big so they do pork because they don't eat beef on this island as much but in other places they don't eat pork so they chew beef so you have a lot of different fun influences but the food is really really good and i feel like every Expat kind of has their, their they find their spot in it, you know. Like even if you're a vegetarian, there's options for you. Or if you're you know really love beef, there's options. If you like curries, there's options. So, uh, but my favorite simple chicken satay. It's like chicken on a stick cooked over the fire, and they have peanut sauce that they have it with, which I absolutely love. Like homemade peanut sauce, so good. Nice.
1: Yeah, you know, one place that surprises people when I say like has really good food is Peru. I feel like they mix so many different cultures together and it's just very diverse. Um, Even some of the American places that I've tried there were really good. Definitely.
2: What was one of your favorite dishes in Peru? Because
1: the food there is insane. Trying to remember. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that was like a good 10 years ago. I don't remember. Um, I know. Yeah I usually ask like the locals like hey what's the traditional stuff and I went with a group and I realized when we sit down to eat they're all picking like hot dog pizza and I'm like I just asked them like what's the traditional things because we had guides as well and I basically go with that.
2: (laughs) That's so good on you. Some people are freaked out like to try out food outside of there. What's comfortable for them?
1: Yeah, I've tried a whole bunch, like even uh, alpaca meats and like guinea pig and a few other things, random things. (laughs) But I just try whatever traditional food they make that, you know, I try to taste all of it. Ceviche, I think, was big over there, too. Yeah, that's a big one.
2: That's so good. That's I, I. remember I just had a memory after ayahuasca. You can't have like salt or pork or like there's a. It's called dietas. It's the diet after and and there's one before. And I remember being in Peru, uh, in the city, trying to in my broken spanish explain that i can't have salt i can't have sugar and i'm like i was like to have sugar to have salt trying you know to to navigate that um there this was after after yeah
0: okay for how long
2: two weeks about okay yeah so i think i stuck with it for a week though (laughs) (laughs) i tried i tried challenging it can be A boğa is easier with that, like eat whatever, uh, pretty much just try and eat clean, of course. But I think there's less, there's no dieta from my understanding or I missed it. One or the other.
0: Well, before we get ready to close it out, is there anything you'd like to share with the audience about new projects you're working on or how they can, you know, view um, your information about what you do?
2: Of course. Yeah, I think. Getting involved with Design Match is is just, I I, I would love to, my goal is to empower 1 million designers. And so if you are a designer or creative and wanna be involved in some way, shape or form, please reach out. You can go to www.designmatch.io. And one thing that we're going to be working on, actually two projects that I'm really excited about is Design Camp. So we're going to be launching a summer camp style experience in the States um, that allows creatives of all kinds, painters, drawers, um, digital designers to come together and explore their creativity in nature. So that's something that we're working on now that, you know, pandemic stuff's ramping down. Hopefully we can get that going soon. Mm -hmm. And then The other thing that we're going to be doing, which I'm so excited about, is our giving back project, Desenio al Futuro, which is designing the future. Spanish, and we're going to be creating a free design school in Uruguay um, to bring design knowledge and design thinking into Uruguay at an affordable price to allow them to start working online as well as designers, um, no matter what background they come from. So these are some things we're working on. So if anything is exciting for you, you can always reach out on uh, Design Match and and get in touch. Okay.
0: Thank you for sharing that with us. And Thank you to our listeners. Thank you to our um, our supporters. Um,
1: and you can find the podcast at AmericanGypsy.com. Well, we're on all podcast platforms, but you can find our information at AmericanGypsy.com. You have all the audio episodes, guest information, and um, links to our merch. We have consistent self-improvement merch at LuanLee.com. And, we have-
0: and Danielle, it's been an amazing conversation. We really appreciate the information you've shared with us, um, even just the experience that you've had and shared. We really have been inspired to get up and travel well you know we've always inspired to travel but <laughs> really looking forward to bali now
1: <laughs> definitely i'll see you guys over here yeah. soon yeah i try to warm about to bali so it's good that you gave your experience have you before we go actually have you been to philippines because that's on my radar
2: i haven't but if you guys go tell me i'll show up there <laughs>
0: okay. okay yeah
1: <laughs> oh yeah and we definitely if you're ever in los
0: angeles You know, definitely stop by for an in-studio conversation as well. We'd love to have you as another guest and bring you back. Thank you again to everyone. Consistent self-improvement. Wait, there's music at Classic, K-L-A-C-C-I-K, Carpenter, C-A-R-P-E-N-T-A. And that's on Spotify, iTunes, uh, YouTube, Tidal, all major platforms. And once again, thank you to all our supporters, listeners, viewers, please subscribe. Thank you for donating. Thank you for the donations. Thank you for the future donations. Consistent self-improvement and Peace. peace.